uh, we spoke last week and we were just candid about our relationship and candid about some of the, the process that we've been walking through. And um, I think just from what I've heard, our hope is, is that we're a help, we're not a hindrance, that we're bringing some sort of resolve to some questions that are being asked uh, in a lot of the homes and the hearts of people that we're talking to. So tonight the goal is, is to take the conversation a step further. Uh, so last week we really talked around racism. I defined what racism was. We talked about some specifics. I would highly encourage you to go back and to watch on our YouTube channel. Uh, it's two hours long. Break it up however you need. You can listen to it, uh, just audio. But I would highly encourage you to go back and watch because I think it's going to give you a lot of context. And it's a jumping off point for tonight. And tonight what we wanted to talk about is we wanted to talk about reconciliation. Yeah. You and I have had a lot of discussions about reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things that I, I think that I, I want to start from is our family. We have probably one of the most diverse families. When, when, when someone from the, I'll say, when I, I'll use the word outside, what yes. I mean is <laughs> they're, not, they're, they're not married to one of the five siblings. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll just call them the, the five siblings, which, uh, gosh, there's so much just now when I held my hand up <laughs> and I said five. I just, I just felt like just mm. this level of grace yes. that was given to who we affectionately call mama and daddy. Mm -hmm. um, and daddy passed away a year ago, just a couple weeks ago. We, we celebrated just one year yeah. of his passing. And mama is with us, and I just feel like the grace on their lives yeah. uh, and these five children that they had, you and I have the joy of being married to two of them. Mm -hmm. But at the center of that, you and I were discussing just this unique nature that our family has, mm -hmm. that we walk in a way where it's evident. You, you, when you and I, so in terms of evidence, you and I were talking about this, and you started talking about our family gatherings, and you were like, bro, do you ever <laughs> notice how like we have a family gathering, and it's like all of a sudden, like we have this Christmas fam family gathering that we did. And you brought up the fact that we started out, it was just our family, which yep. is already big. Yep. And then what happened? The next thing you know, each and every year, more and, more and more people outside of our nucleus starts looking forward to coming to our gatherings. Like they want to be at our Christmas gathering. Yes, our Christmas plays. Right. What we do, Three Kings. Oh, my gosh. All <laughs> All right, just if anyone who's listening right now has been to, I'm going to call it the Coleman because yeah. that, that's just, I got to pay um, honor and respect. The Coleman Christmas play gathering that mom, that was really mama. Yes. Mama wanted to put this thing on and we would have it at our brother-in-law and sister-in-law's house, uh, Dwayne and Julie. And I am an advocate for live uh, manger scene yes. kind of stuff. Like I want to get live animals <laughs> and I want to press my sister-in-law, Julie on that because I drive her absolutely we crazy. Yeah, we need live animals. Yes. We need live barn animals yes. and I want to revive it just to, and, and I just want live animals to show up and I don't want to tell them like I'm that brother-in-law <laughs> and then it turns into a petting zoo. But in all seriousness, there's just a unique thing happened where it's like our family is already pretty big. Yes. I think there's close to 30 grandchildren. Whew. We're adding great-grandchildren. Yes. 
So you've got the five siblings, their extended families, you know, kids, their kids, significant others now, they're getting married. Yes. Some of them are having kids. Then on top of that, all these people, there was this attraction where people were like, can we come to your yeah. family gathering? And I personally feel like when, they, when people walk away, they always say the same thing. Gosh, you guys' family is so unique. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you and I were talking about that's so unique about the family is, is that we all have such different backgrounds. Yes. We do have some common ground. Mm-hmm. A lot of us did grew up in Oceanside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Yep. Got to give it, give it up for, for Oside. If you're from Oside, throw your hands up in the air. Let me see it online. Um, <laughs> and you know what I mean if you are. It, but so there's a common thread there. But... I think there's something deeper. Yeah. You and I were talking about daddy. Mm-hmm. And um, when my mother-in-law and father-in-law went to get married, there were some family members close to them that didn't agree with their relationship. My, mm-hmm. my father-in-law, our father-in-law mm-hmm. is black, grew up in the South. Mm-hmm. And... I'm going to give some more context to his upbringing to explain how he, as the patriarch of the family, I think was the key yeah. to some some key points to reconciliation. But he grew up in the South. Our mother-in-law, sweetest little woman, grew up in Hawaii, and they met when he was stationed over in Hawaii. That's right. And they got married, and it wasn't to the agreement of some of the family members, mm-hmm. but they got married anyway. And you fast forward through their life, uh, and I'm going to fast forward past everything and drop my personal interaction with my father-in-law in so that we can understand why, when Jeff and I talk about our father-in-law and our mother-in-law, why we think this is so important in terms mm-hmm. of reconciliation. Uh, my wife, and, and I, I think I mentioned this before, my wife was at UCLA at the time, and she was taking a class on African-American literature, she walked in the house, she had a book, and the book was a book on Malcolm X. And my father-in-law essentially said, what are you reading? She said, I'm reading this, Daddy, I'm reading this book on Malcolm X. What for? Which, if you know him, it's hilarious, yeah. just the way that he speaks. Yeah. You know, girl, what you reading? You know? <laughs> and Daddy, I'm reading, you know, what for? You know, it's like, because, Daddy, I'm, you know, I'm learning about the history of African-Americans through the literature. And he essentially told her, if you want to know about history of blacks in America through civil rights, come talk to me because I lived it. Yeah, he was there. And, I, and, then, and at which point I'm standing in the room and I was like, whoa. Now that, that number one tells you that the, the issues and the topics we're talking about mm-hmm. are not far off. Right. Okay, this was daddy. Yeah. So it's like, Flesh and blood, mm-hmm. you sit and you have a conversation with him. What it did was, though, is it opened up a conversation that he and I began to have. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, he was recounting stories of him growing up in the South. And he was talking about just the difficult things, really, really difficult um, hatred and racially motivated prejudices that he had gone through and just... Right just the insanity of the level of racism that he was really living in. And 
he began to talk to me about forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And he began to talk to me about repentance. Mm. And it was a profound moment because he essentially said to me in so many words, he essentially said to me, you know, Pat, I have every right. Right. I think I have every opportunity mm -hmm. to hold ill will, um, maybe even toward me, a young, you know, <laughs> white kid <laughs> who uh, he, I think, at sometimes wanted to slap. Um, he really wanted me to invest in a belt. He told me that. <laughs> he said, boy, why don't you buy a belt? I remember that very clearly. And I told him I was wearing a belt, and he said, then pull your pants up. And, um, <laughs> pull your pants and up. And you just, with daddy, you just, you know, yes, daddy. And in the same way, with that same level of, like, I'm going to tell you something, mm -hmm. and you just honored him and listened, and I know you've had these conversations with daddy. I know everyone that's experienced our father-in-law has had, I think, probably had these conversations. And he just said, I had every opportunity in my life to live bitter with unforgiveness. And he said these two words. He said, but God. Yeah. Yeah. And I can remember like it was yesterday. He was sitting in his recliner chair. In between him and I was a table. I was sitting at the edge of the couch close to him at the recliner. The light was on in between us. There was some mail sitting on the mm -hmm. thing, and there was a pen holder and the letter opener. And he looked at me, and he said, but God. And he began to speak to me about the power of, of his life, of him being repentant to Jesus as his Savior yeah. and forgiveness. Yeah. And you fast forward, I remember, he was, I think it was like his 70th birthday. He summoned us out to Temecula to our brother-in-law, sister-in-law's house. Yep. And he wanted to have a birthday party for himself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is totally, totally daddy. Girl, I want to have a birthday party for myself. We, <laughs> we had a birthday party. And he gets us all together. And in the midst of his birthday party, there was a little bit of turmoil in the family at that time. Just yeah. Some people were going through some stuff. He got us together and essentially reminded us and said, you all essentially need to learn how to work things out mm -hmm. and learn to forgive one another yeah. because you're all that you got. Yeah, I remember that. Could have heard a pin drop. And I mean, all of us were there, yep. you know, wives, nephews, husbands, nieces, nephews, nieces. Cousins. And again, here's this message of forgiveness. Yeah. And this message behind it of repentance. Mm -hmm. So when you and I started talking about everything going on right now in America when it comes to racism, and last week we have this discussion, I said, you know, you and I were talking and I said, I really feel like the core of this, I think there's some great organizations mm -hmm. that are able to, are equipped to, and have, I'm going to use this word, have a mandate on them, these, these certain organizations, to bring systemic change in the natural yeah. to, to judicial parts of who we are, to mm -hmm. societal parts of who we are in ways that I don't think that that's necessarily our mandate. Right. And I began speaking about our mandate being we need to bring systemic change 
spiritually. Yes. And I'm going to talk more about this this coming Sunday in my message. But I wanted to give some context to say what Jeff and I are going to discuss right now, centering around reconciliation. I'm going to define what reconciliation, and I'm going to define two key requirements that my father-in-law really brought up. And I think he and our mother-in-law showed us as kids, and we saw through their five children. And I, to this day, continue to see through our in-laws, I'll right. say. Right. This level of grace mm-hmm. on their life. And I think it's because of these two key things that are centered in, in reconciliation. But I, I want to set some groundwork to say, I don't think, I, if, if you're listening to Jeff and I to hear about reconciliation through systemic change that has to do with the judicial system or policing or a plethora of other areas that the systemic change needs to happen. That's not what we're talking about tonight. We're, we're talking about the power of a living God spiritually at the core of it, what we believe God wants. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Let me define reconciliation really quickly. Reconciliation, uh, I just put very simply, it's bringing together two parties that are estranged or in a dispute. Uh, Jesus Christ is the one who brings together God and man. Yes. With salvation as the result of the union. Yes. That's okay. Good. Reconciliation basically means change or exchange. If you look up the root word for it, uh, biblically and in the Greek, you, you're going you're gonna to come to understand that it means change or exchange, okay? The idea is a change of relationship and exchange of antagonism for goodwill, of enmity or we're enemies, mm-hmm. okay, for friendship. Attitudes are transformed and hostility ceases. Yeah. This is important. Attitudes are transformed and hostility ceases. Mm-hmm. The reconciliation doesn't mean that systems are changed, but attitudes remain. Right. Reconciliation is attitudes are changed, transformed, a matter of fact, mm-hmm. and hostility ceases. There's a change. Like a reborn. Like, Re- like a rebirth, right? A rebirth, that's right. Okay, so reconciliation has two main requirements for it to happen. Mm-hmm. As Jeff and I talked, we started talking around these two things. You heard me bring these two things up when I was talking about my father-in-law. And really, I think what he's taught me in my life, it's repentance and forgiveness. And so when you look it up biblically, there's two things needed for reconciliation. There's repentance and forgiveness. For God to reconcile us to him, yep. he needed his son, Jesus. Jesus gave us the opportunity to repent, and God forgives us through his son, Jesus Christ. Right. There's repentance and forgiveness. That brings reconciliation, Okay. So, first of all, we first have to be reconciled to God. Mm-hmm. So, you and I were talking about this. If, if we, now, I'm going to ask some questions. Um, well, l- l- let me do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read something. This is, this, is out of a, this is out of one of my um, theology books that I use in my study. I'm going to read this really quickly, and then I'm going to ask Jeff a couple of questions. It says, repentance is an essential turning point 
in reconciled relationships, it requires ownership of our responsibility for whatever part we have played in erecting or reinforcing barriers. Mm. I'm going to read that again. Mm. Repentance requires ownership of our responsibility for whatever part we may have played in erecting or reinforcing barriers. Repentance not only accepts responsibility for the part that we have played in the wall building, but also for the turning away from the behavior that built the walls in the first place. Hold on, it goes further. Often, we may not even perceive how we may have unintentionally contributed to divisions between people individually or between ethnic groups in general, Mm -hmm. especially through ethnic discrimination or religious sectarianism. Perhaps we have not done anything personally to hurt others, but still we may have sinned by our inaction. That's right. And it brings up uh, James 4.17. I'm just going to read James 4.17 and I'm going to finish what I was just saying. James 4.17, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it It is is sin for them. Missing the mark. Let me read that again. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Mm -hmm. For the body of Christ to come to health, repentance, confession, and action is needed. Say that again. For the body of Christ to come to health, repentance, confession, and action is needed. As we do repent, the walls built through blindness and separatism will be brought down and Christ will be honored through reconciled relationships. The most honorable thing that we can do in our life is live in reconciled relationships. That's correct. It's the most honoring thing that we could do. Yes. The most honoring thing that Jeff and I could do man to man is we could live in a reconciled relationship. If there's something, in fact, scripture you said to say, if you have something against your brother, what does it say? Uh, Forgive him his sin and be reconciled with your brother. And, it, and it, before we even come bringing offerings, we should be reconciled Correct. to our brother, Scripture before says. Before like, you go. Like, we yeah. shouldn't even come to the altar. So it's like, we shouldn't even come in and bring our worship before the altar Correct. if we have things that are in our heart that need to be reconciled. That, like, Correct. that's deep right there. Yes, it is. Because I, I got to tell you, in my life, there's a lot of times that I walk in the door and I bring my worship to God and I have unresolved mm. I- issues in my heart. And yeah. I, like, that's on me. So repentance is not just I directly did something, but this goes on to tell us that we might even unintentionally have contributed to, or maybe our part we need to repent from is because we just didn't do what was right even though we saw what we should have done. Yeah. We're perceiving that we should do something, but we're just not doing it. Right. And, and maybe for a plethora of reasons, we might make that decision. Um, That's good. Let me ask you this. What, this is kind of a chicken and egg question. What comes first? Oh my goodness. Repentance or forgiveness? Mm. 
That's a really tough question, but I, 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 it's like they're hybrids because you need to repent to even understand forgiveness because the reconciliation starts with repentance. That's where it begins. Good. So take, walk me, walk me a few steps deeper into that thought. You said reconciliation begins with repentance. So are you saying like, for me to be reconciled, let, let's say you and I have an issue. Sure. For me to be reconciled to you, it begins with repentance between you and I? No, it doesn't. What I mean by that, that's a layer of it, but it actually starts with me and God. See, the Bible says that his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Hmm. And his ways are higher than my ways. Hmm. So when I come to a place where I need the reconciliation, the first thing I have to, I have personal responsibility. Who can I control? I can control me. The first step is I need to be reconciled to you first. Help me understand where I missed it because your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Your ways are higher than my ways. When we take that step and position ourselves before our Heavenly Father in humility, now we're saying, you lead my life. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to enlighten the areas where I need help. So my dependency is not on my status. My dependency is not on what I think, but literally in the relationship with him first. Man, so when you say that, I think, okay, I'm going to make this really practical. Okay. Um, first and foremost, the other thing that Jeff and I were talking about that I think I, I, w- I want to make clear, I understand that this is the most visible way because we often think in very polarizing terms, like mm-hmm. very binary terms. So we think red, blue, black, white, Democrat, Republican, up, down. Labels. You know what I mean? (laughs) So it's like, we just, this is how we think. So right now, I think when I, when I open up social media or if Mm -hmm. I turn on mainstream news or I turn on the radio, what I see is really, I see a community and humanity represented that we call white and a Mm -hmm. community and humanity represented that we call black. Yeah. But I, I think you and I were talking about this, like this is not... Because if we know that the battle is not flesh and blood, Come on. that it's actually not black, a black and white issue. That's right. Like this is not, and what I'm saying, there's multiple layers to what I just said. This is not a black and white issue. No. And I'll say it again. This is not a black and white issue. This is an issue of spiritual powers and principalities. And yes. so when we're looking at it, when you said that, and you're talking about repentance, it almost feels like right now in our country, and globally, really, mm-hmm. for us to walk into a place of repentance and forgiveness between what feels like is a white dominant systemic, you know, uh, structure and the oppression of blacks. For us to walk into repentance and forgiveness in that before we even before we even start that conversation, before you and I could even sit down, because I hear so many people say, you know, what you need to do is we just need to sit down and we just need to, you know, have conversations. So it's like, okay, so you're telling me the solution is 
that if I just number every black person in the country Mm -hmm. and every white person in the country and we do some sort of weird speed dating scenario Mm -hmm. and we can get everyone to talk, we're all going to be on the same page magically Mm -hmm. and just going to solve everything Mm -hmm. because we're going to get a chance to talk. You know, and it's like, let's just talk it out. You know, it's like saying, let's just hug it out. You know, it's like, okay, (laughs) there's levels to the communication that I think are 100% real that need to happen. Yes. But what you said just now to me, I'm going to tell you what I heard you say. Before we even get there, for that to even be powerful, for that to even be a point where reconciliation, true, deep work of reconciliation can take place, we first need to be reconciled to God. Correct. First. First. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Got to seek first the kingdom of God, his ways, his nature, how he does things, how he reacted, how he spoke, how he loved, how he forgave. It's kind of like Nicodemus coming to Jesus in the night, right? (laughs) (laughs) Sneaking in with Jesus. And Jesus says, you must be born again. Yeah. You must have reconciliation in your heart to even see the kingdom. Yeah, you can't even perceive. So so here's, so I'm going to say this again. We're here speaking about systemic spiritual change. Yes. So what Jeff and I, Really, I feel like what we're saying is if we want to see real change, mm-hmm. if we want to see real understanding, mm. if I really want to understand Jeff, I'm talking on an empathetic level to be able to say, man, I'm, gonna cr- I'm crying with you. Yes. My heart's breaking with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it moves beyond emotion. Jeff said this last week. I'm not just standing with Jeff, but I'm walking with Jeff. Yeah. Right? For us to move past that, mm-hmm. for us to be even be able to understand, to perceive that, yes. we need a different set of eyes. We need a paradigm shift that only comes through a reconciled life being yeah. lived between us and our creator. Yes. So we got into this interesting discussion about another level of what comes first, the chicken or the egg. Does forgiveness or repentance come first? Okay, so... If I offend you, and I'm the offender, is it my job to repent first before you forgive, or do you hold on to unforgiveness until I repent? No. I, I don't need to hold on to unforgiveness till you repent, because what if God never has you repent? What, what, what happens if we, we split up and I go to Alaska for the rest of my life and I never see you again? Yeah, there's no, I can't see if you... There's no closure it. relationally no, in that no, way. No, not at all. The trust has to come in the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but by me. So our trust has to be, I trust you to change me, whether they do anything, if they don't say anything, if I don't see a fruit of repentance from them, I know because you've changed me that reconciliation abounds. 
you know, in the right. New Testament, we were, we were, as you and I were kind of talking about this, mm-hmm. um, in the New Testament, there's a, there, there's, there's a couple stories that point to the offender coming to um, the person who's been offended. Right. And so in human terms, the story usually goes, if I offend you, I'm supposed to come to you. Matthew right. says, hey, I should Matthew come to 18, you. Yep. You know, I should, I should basically right. repent and ask for forgiveness. Then, as soon, you know, and the, the other aspect is, is if I repent, then really the work is on your plate now to choose to forgive me or not. Mm-hmm. Okay? And we talk now, to give some context around, specifically around racism, Jeff and I talked last week. You can go back and listen to it. We talked about the difficulty of uh, forgiveness and reconciliation doesn't necessarily mean forgetting everything. Right, and we talked about right. this. So what I'm not saying is I come to you, Jeff, I repent and I say, Hey, I'm good, man. I repented. And then, you know, it's, it's totally on you and you shouldn't even remember what I did. Like, and if you do, it's, that's your fault. Yeah. It's, it's on you. But there is an aspect biblically of, we now have a mandate, if we're a follower of Jesus, to, with repentance, to respond with an opportunity. God gives the opportunity to then forgive. Yes. So we see this play in humanity. I've offended. I come to you. I repent. You have a choice to forgive. Mm-hmm. Then God comes in, mm-hmm. completely turns everything around. And God is the one that we in humanity have offended him. Yeah. We're the one who broke the trust. We're the one who broke the relationship. We're yeah. the one who stepped outside of the parameters that he said, I've created you for this purpose. We, we're the ones now searching for purpose because we stepped outside of our origins of purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we bring this on ourselves. We're the ones who offend him. And he decides that he's not going to sit back and be a god because he's so good. Yes, all the time. He turns itself, he turns this whole thing around and he says, I'm not going to wait for Pat to repent. I'm not going to wait for Jeff to repent. Yes. So this is something that we understand about who God is in his nature. God, we don't actually seek God out and repent to him and reconcile the relationship. Mm-hmm. God actually took all of it on himself and sought forgiveness by sending his son Jesus Christ yes. first. Yes. And said, now I'm giving you the opportunity, if you choose, to step in and repent, if you choose. But you've been forgiven. The bank account has been loaded. Come on. With with all of the heaven, like, cash. Okay, we're going to speak in those terms. It's been loaded to pay the debt. In human terms, we sit back and go, well, I'm not going to forgive until you say I'm sorry. That's right. So I need, until you say I'm sorry... I'm, I'm going to hold on to this. And we will hold on to things to the point of our own destruction. And God mm-hmm. steps in and says, I'm going to flip all this over. Yeah. And I'm going to forgive you. It says, why were we yet still sinners? Come on. His son went to the cross and died for us. Yeah. So it's this really interesting concept that now as a follower of Jesus, I now have to look through a lens and go, oh, my God. Now, okay. Now, I, wanna, I want people to understand that when Jeff and I are talking about this, it's going to be, what did we, what did you? You just heard Jeff say about Nicodemus. It's going to be really hard for someone who's sitting in a seat that isn't walking full of the Holy Spirit in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If they're not seeking first the kingdom and his righteousness, the right thinking, it's going to be very difficult for someone who is not in that mind frame to listen to what 
what you and I are saying and say, mm-hmm. that is stupid. That's crazy. Because the perception is go- it's not going to be a perception that is led by the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Right. It's not a perception that looks on God says, God, how did you respond? And oh, you actually stepped in first yes. before I even repented. Yeah. So I think that I found you, but God, you actually found, found me. me. That's right. You That's found good. me, you tagged me, and you marked me yes. and said, you know, this one right here, he's going to come swimming back around yes. in this pool, <laughs> pond. And, and, and one of these times, he's going to figure out that he's swimming in circles mm-hmm. and that he's already been found. He's been marked. That's good. That, and, and what God did in you and I in our lives is he marked us, and there was a moment that we realized we were marked. Yeah. That what he did in mama and daddy's life, mm-hmm. and he broke. Now, now here's the thing. He broke off generational burdens that mama and daddy could have carried through their lives. And in my opinion, in in listening to them share stories and pass stories down generationally, and and having, you know, I, I go, gosh. And mama even says, you know, if it wasn't for God, daddy and I wouldn't have made it. Because of what they saw in their life. And they chose... They chose, as Daddy said, but God. That's right. But God. And that changed everything. That changes everything. Because now the lens that we're looking at things through isn't... uh, Black or white. It's not black or white. No. That this is not a black and white issue. This is not (laughs) a black and white issue. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Jim Carrey said it best. One of his movies, he says, I have exercised the demons. <laughs> yeah, totally. This room is clear. Yeah, dude. The lenses are clear. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah. This and is I th- clear. I think we have an opportunity to walk in reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Right now, what I believe is, is, and Jeff, you can speak to this prophetically. I'm going to speak to this you know, with that encouragement in mind. I think right now we have an opportunity, we have a time, we have a window in time right now in our existence as humanity that God has opened this time and he says, you have an opportunity to step in and more than ever to stand in right thinking and and tear down the spiritual systems that have been in play. And you have an opportunity to step into reconciliation that requires repentance and forgiveness. Mm But you're going to get it wrong if you're going to sit back and you're going to wait for one person or one party to come to the table first. What I'm doing is reconciling sons to fathers, us to God, and I'm reconciling sons to fathers in the natural and brothers to brothers and sisters to sisters. That's it. I felt like what the Lord is saying right now is you have an opportunity to step into something that's unique for this time in all of history that I believe personally will be studied as one of the marks, as one of the beginnings of a great revival in humanity where people are turning their hearts back to the Father and brothers are turning and repenting to one another, not worrying about what we're going to get out of it, not worrying about what the ROI, like, well, what's the ROI? What's the return on my investment Mm -hmm. of repentance and forgiveness between Jeff and I? But it's more so that when we stand reconciled, there's something powerful about who Jeff and I are together spiritually that the enemy doesn't want us standing reconciled. Come on. That's right. Can I get can, can I get an amen? Amen. For that. So That's good. 
I, I, I'm going to talk. This is, this is a tough one. I want everyone to buckle up for this question. I'm going to preface it by bringing some clarity. I'm going to speak from some voices that I've talked to that are struggling, and I've read some things that I think there's a struggle where perhaps individuals in the community that is of the fair complexion, mm-hmm. they're not as melanated. <laughs> okay? So, the white folks. Mm-hmm. So, skins. I am hearing this really interesting thing where mm-hmm. I feel like some people in the community that are of the fair complexion feel like they need to be repent. So when we talk about repentance, come on, you know where I'm about to go? Yep. Oh, dude, we're about to drop a bomb in this one. Okay. <laughs> where white folks are feeling like they, that the repentance that's necessary uh-huh. in order for all this to be reconciled is to repent for being white. You... Now, do people, this is a real feeling. It is. And, and I have heard people, I have seen people. Yes, come on. On social media, and I've heard people say, I want to publicly repent for being white. That's. You and I had this conversation. Yeah. And what I love about Jeff and I is we have these conversations, and there is like. No filters. No filters. <laughs> no, like zero, none at all. None and at so, all. like, we say whatever. So. We're going to be as real as possible and having this conversation publicly right now. But when I said that to you, it, it, it sparked a conversation between you and I. Yeah. What, what's your initial thought when you hear that? You can't repent for being white because you didn't have the creates. You didn't create yourself. When God created you, he created you with his heart in mind. Your color, your eye color, the tone of your voice. It's not a mistake. So if you're trying to repent for being the color that you are, it's like you're rejecting God's majesty for creating you. Mm. Like he made a major mistake. And you're you're shortchanging your divine nature. Mm. It's like you're rejecting your father's imprint or DNA over your life. Yeah. And that only comes through reconciliation of the heart and understanding that God is my creator and what's inside of me is more valuable than what's on the outside. Yeah. You and I started talking about being created in the image of God. Yes. And it was like, essentially, I know more than you. Mm. So let's, let's talk about repent. Repent means to completely turn 180 degrees and walk away from missing the mark. Yes. So to your point, if, if I'm supposed to repent for being Caucasian mm-hmm. of the fair complexion in the melanin spectrum, if I'm supposed to repent for this, what I'm actually saying is, is that I've missed the mark. Yeah. And if I'm saying I've missed the mark in the coloring of my skin, what I'm really saying is, God, you've missed the mark. Yes. And God is perfect in every way. And if you and I are both created in his image, that means the beauty, the spectrum, the beautiful part of what God brings is, is the full spectrum of those colors, the full spectrum of identities, the full spectrum of language. So I no more can repent from 
being white, then you could repent for being black. Correct. But mm-hmm. I think where this is getting kind of screwy is we were talking about how I can be repentant about, I'm going to go back to what I said, mm-hmm. whatever parts I inadvertently might have, I indirectly might have, I unknowingly might have played in building walls or barriers, a.k.a. systemic barriers that create oppression. I'm just going to speak to America. Okay? <laughs> I don't want to speak to the world, but I think this is global, so I guess I just did speak globally. Yeah. I, th- I think I can repent for that. Mm-hmm. But that actually has nothing to do with the color of my skin. No. It has to do with the color of my lenses. Correct. So I need to have new lenses to be able to see in a way that says, man, I don't need. So let's make this real. I don't need to go home and say to my wife who's black, Chandra, I just need for, for, for you and I to have this marriage work. I need to repent to you because I'm white. So I'm going to turn, and I'm going to walk away from my, my whiteness. What does that mean? Like, like, I mean, that's a, that, that's a rhetorical question. That, yeah. Like, like it, 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 so here, here's what it does. In my attempt to help bring wholeness to your identity, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is I need to deconstruct my identity. No, that's not what God does. God never deconstructs what he created. He says, my gifts and callings are without repentance. Mm. He doesn't need to go back on them. They're complete because I'm perfect and I'm complete. Yeah. This is something that I might need to scoot up on because we talked about it, is I'm a black male in America, and I did not live in my family's time, my father and my mother's time, unto the violence that they did. There was levels that came at them. Sometimes, and I'm speaking, and I'm probably going to make some people angry at this. Sometimes blacks or people that are being oppressed use that as manipulation when they come out of when they're supposed to be walking in the fullness. So me as a black man, if I have reconciliation in my heart, I should repent, Father, if there's any manipulation that's keeping them from seeing the fullness of Christ in me, forgive me. If you can't say that as a black man or woman, I question where you are in your walk. Because I'm not saying it's wrong, and I'm not, you just got biblically, if God does something in my heart, I have to be prepared to see the fruits of any man's repentance to receive them in the fullness of Christ. Would you say, so when you said that, I, 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 I'm going re- to say it back to you. I feel like what you're saying is people are going to be at different points. Levels. Of their journey. Yes. Where you, you may have a relationship with God, but maybe you're at a point where you're still working through the process Correct. of the pain or the hurt. Yes. Or getting rid of this and the reconciliation. Yes. I think you I think you and I, you know, I can say pretty confidently, just knowing you for almost thirty years, mm-hmm. God's done a tremendous work in your life in reconciliation. So I think you're living in a time in a part of your life that 
you've been able to see I have a choice, guilt or grace. Yes, sir. So here's what's fascinating. I think what we could do as a community, as a whole of humanity, is begin to walk in a way that shows grace yes. to each other. Yes. In our understanding of where we're at personally in our journey. This is what I mean. That's good. I could sit down, and if I just now am, let's say, here I am, I'm of the fair complexion of the melanin community, and I say, hey, as a white man, Jeff, I'm just now coming to understand some of the systemic problems in in, in, in our culture in America, and I really don't understand these things, and maybe some of the things that I'm saying sound still borderline ignorant Mm -hmm. or even borderline racist. Mm Mm-hmm. But I really do have a heart seeking reconciliation. Yeah. And you, let's conversely, you're in the same spot. Mm-hmm. You're sitting as a black man in America, and you are saying, man, I am hurt. I'm hurt over just the oppression. I'm hurt over the things that I've seen. I'm hurt, I'm hurt over the, the systemic you know, racism that I've seen happen generationally in yeah. my family. And you're at a beginning part of your process. I think... After painting that picture, that's how we can see. That's the picture that I see when I see protests in the streets. Yeah. And I see the real pain on humanity's face. I'm not painting a color on that face. Come on. But I'm, we're seeing the real pain on the face of humanity to be able to stand in so much truth yes. about where, they, where they're at. Yeah. I, you know, I'm really trying to understand... And I'm hurt and I'm hurting with you and for you, but I'm also angered and don't completely get why. So here's a big one. I don't completely get why the statement Black Lives Matters is not the same as saying all lives matters. Right. And there's this explosive debate. It just just explodes. Yes, sir. I feel like what you're saying is I feel like what you and I have seen modeled in our lives Mm -hmm. and what we're walking in. We're not perfect, no. but we're walking in a mindset and a paradigm that says, I'm walking with more of my grace bucket filled than my guilt bucket. Yes. Sometimes I still feel guilty. Sometimes I still will want to place guilt, Mm -hmm. but I have more grace in my grace bucket than I do in my guilt bucket. That's right. God's, God's goal in our lives is to walk in a full grace bucket with no guilt but yeah come on but i think what we see in our country right now is we're watching the plug being pulled on the guilt bucket mm-hmm. and the grace bucket is trying to catch up yeah and we have to have grace with one another as that bucket is filling we have to have patience with one another come on. to say you know what um to all my friends that want to call me and discuss race in America right now that still sound kind of ignorant, I understand what you're doing is you're draining the guilt bucket. Mm-hmm. And I need to help fill your grace bucket. I need to extend grace. I'm at a place in my life personally and my, in my journey that I'm looked at as a spiritual father. In Luke 15, if I hold any harbor any pain or unforgiveness of my heart, I won't be able to forgive a son, a spiritual son coming to me 
as a father. That father in Luke chapter 15 got out of his porch, ran to greet his son. He didn't greet him in his color. He greeted a son. If I, as a spiritual father, don't change my heart, and be reconciled with the heavenly father, I will not receive spiritual sons, spiritual daughters. And it, the, it just repeats itself. The cycle just repeats itself. He is a chain breaker. Man. Jesus is a chain breaker. Man, and the way yeah. we break the chains is we have to become spiritual mamas and papas. We have to walk in the way that God has created us to walk. I will never forget or understand what my mother and father went through being a young black Americans in the 60s. I don't have to. They, didn't, they, they fought that for me. Yeah. I don't have to experience that. But what I do experience is the truths and the freedoms now to make a difference. That's what I know. Man, that was good. Thanks. What, <laughs> you, you, well, you, and when you said that, what the picture that I saw was is that if we, we collectively, yeah, right, as God's creation, don't learn the power of reconciliation. Yeah. When you were saying that as a spiritual father, what we're doing is in the natural, what we will create, even though our children may have us as fathers in the home, we're mm-hmm. creating spiritual orphans. Yeah. And what we're doing in the spiritual is that as we are ministering and we're helping others come into reconciled relationship with God, we're bringing them into the knowledge of a reconciled relationship, but we're placing a spirit of orphan on them because we're still walking as orphans. Yeah. And so it's important that we walk and we show. I just want to go back to this. It's good. I am not saying, Jeff and I are not saying, Mm-mm. you know, sit down, have conversations with one another, be very quick to move past hurts, pains. You need to get over that. You need to bury it. You need to sweep it under the rug. And right. you just need, I'm not saying to bury the sins That's of right. our fathers underneath the name of grace. That's right. That is not what I'm saying. No. What I'm actually saying is, Drag those sins by their scrubby neck out into the light. Yes. And then we get to stand together over those sins, having grace on one another. Because the enemy doesn't want Jeff and I in America. If you want to see something, this is the picture right now in America. Come on. The enemy doesn't want to see Jeff and I sitting on this platform, dragging the sins of our fathers out onto the carpet and standing over those sins and judging those sins underneath the grace that Jesus Christ has given us. Yes. The enemy That's doesn't good. want to see this happen. The enemy no. doesn't want to see us bound together yeah. as brothers, yes. but wants to see us bound in camps as enemies. Yeah, that's a good word. And so I feel like what we're speaking about is in reconciliation, you said he's a breaker of chains, that yes. we're breaking the chains of enslavement, mm-hmm. of serving the sins that's right of our ancestors yeah now i want to tell you there are some sins of my ancestors that in terms of racism i'm the one who has to raise my hand and say hey the sins of my fathers of my ancestors yes but we all have sins of our fathers we do that we need to be able to see reconciled. And we become the generation that says we're breaking these things. That's right. That's why when, we, when I talk about mama and daddy, 
they have these five children, which the number five is the number of grace. They have these five children that this couple ends up being a breaker. I believe there are things that our mother and father-in-law, no question, broke off of their kids' lives that were generational, that they said, this is going to be broken because yep. they decided to step in and know their identity as sons and daughters reconciled to the father. Come on. And they decided to be reconciled one to another, mm-hmm. and they taught their children th- this message of reconciliation. Whether or not our in-laws, our sibling in-laws, our brothers and sisters understood what was happening spiritually, that's what they carry. That's what they carry. That's what mama and daddy ministered to in our lives. That's a legacy. And that is the legacy that I think we have the opportunity to leave. That's if right. we're willing to step in and do the Come difficult on. work of reconciliation, it's not easy. It is work. Yes. Because you're birthing something that the enemy doesn't want to. He just said it. You, you, you're, you're literally, right now what's happening on American soil is America is having the labor pains of birthing Come on. a renewal and a refreshing Ooh. and a revival when it comes to our ability to come underneath the name of a living God. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yes. And what the enemy wants, the enemy wants us to focus on all the peripheral things to create a spiritual abortion. Yeah. To create, to create a spiritual miscarriage. Yes. And so there are powers right now in the spirit that are trying to abort the mission that I believe the spirit of God is laying on Come the on. land of America. Come on. That's what I believe. That there are powers right now at play actively trying to abort the spiritual mission of reconciliation that Jeff and I are talking about. So good. And that is what we're fighting for. I'm going to say it again. This is not a black and a white issue. No. If we get caught up in the rhetoric that we just need to reconcile white America to black America and this problem isn't going to exist, we're wrong. We can change the system Mm -hmm. but never be reconciled one to another. And we will always remain walking in a broken state. Yes. Because we need to be reconciled. Yes. That system, spiritual system, has to be aligned. That's good. I'm going to read this. As we close, there, man, I, feel like there, I feel like there is a ton more we could, <laughs> you and I could talk. We, we might have to come back for a week three. Right. We'll see what the party people say. Um, I'm going to read this passage really quickly. This is Ephesians 2.11, and this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus about these two parties. Okay, I just said this is not about black and white. Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to hear that this is not about Jews and Gentiles. There's a broader picture about what Paul's writing about. But Jeff said to me earlier, Pat, I think the reason why it becomes black and white is because it's physical. You can see it. Yes. So I think if you were to describe Jeff and I, it's easy to say. (laughs) I'm black. I'm white. (laughs) Ebony. And I... I I didn't even get that right. You're supposed to be Ebony. I'm supposed to be Ivory. I don't know. You're no, white chocolate. whatever, bro. We're, so, we're some sort of mixed up version of that. But I want to read this because I think Paul says something very profound in this. And just bear with me because this is not short what I'm about to read, but I want to close with this. Come on. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11, says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that 
At that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let me paint this picture. There's this picture that Paul's painting of. At one time, there are these two entities, these two parts of culture that were separate from one another, but they were also totally abandoned and separate from their relationship with God. And so I feel like this is the word for reconciliation. That you have, you could have these two parties, these two factions, these two arguing entities that are separate from one another, but we're going to find out very quickly we're all, those entities also can be separate from God, and Paul's going to speak to what happens when the separation from God is closed, and separation is closed between the two parties because of that. He says, but now in Christ Jesus. Mm, in the Christ Jesus. But That's now good. in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Mm. The first thing that we can do to be brought near to each other is to be brought near to the blood of Christ. That's right. Through right. Jesus Christ. It's the first thing that we can do. And that's the first thing that begins closing this gap. Mm -hmm. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. I'm almost done hanging so in there. Good. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens. Yeah. That Jeff and I are no longer strangers. We're not foreigners. Mm -mm. That we're citizens with God's people also and also members of his household. Yeah. And we are tearing God's house apart, living unreconciled right now. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets Come on. with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, the center. That, that reconciliation can only, true reconciliation can only be built on Jesus Christ. Christ. That's all Jeff and I have. That's it. That's it. And it says, in him, the whole building is joined together. And rises to become, and rises to become, out of the ashes, out of the destruction, out of the precepts that the enemy wants to place on us, that join together, we rise to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, Ooh. that what we have an opportunity to do in walking in reconciliation is to be a dwelling place, not a house of destruction, right? not a house of distraction, yes. not a house of discrimination. Mm -hmm. We have the opportunity that together, 
Jeff and I, that together, brothers and sisters of all tribe, tongue, and nation, come on, will stand before one authority, Jesus Christ, yes. as it says in the book of Revelations, and we will profess that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's right. That we will dwell, and this is the power of it, in which God lives by his spirit. The spirit of God moves in the dwelling place of reconciliation. That's right. I believe the Spirit of God moved on my mother and father-in-law's life. I believe the Spirit of God is moving on my in-laws. I believe he's moving. Now, he's moving on a lot of people's lives. I'm just making that real for us here. Yeah. I believe that spirit of reconciliation and that dwelling place moves on Jeff's life and his family, my sister-in-law, my nieces, my nephews. And I believe that same spirit rests in in our home. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why people want to come to our Christmas pageant. Isn't that's really the point? Three kings. They want to see this silly thing, and it's yeah. the, it's it's the most hideous. Like, it's cute, but it's terribly done. <laughs> Everyone learns their parts two seconds before. Yes. So, guys, that's a huge word for tonight. I want to mm. get to um, see if there's. I think there's a couple questions, perhaps. Let me see if I can get to them. Um. Wow. I don't, know how, I don't even know how to ask, answer this. It said, Pastor Pat, what did reconciliation look like when you gained favor in the family? Oh. I'm assuming, when you hear that, are you assuming they're talking about, like, the Coleman family, mm-hmm. like Mama and Daddy? Yeah. What did reconciliation look like when you gained favor in the family? I think the moment, you, you, and you were there, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think the moment that reconciliation happened and it was 100% obvious to me, was when daddy married Chandra and I. My father-in-law did my wife and I's wedding. We had a bunch of family there. And he gets up in front of everybody, and he's in his, like, big robe. You know, he was very proper. Um, and I have he, that robe. You, Jeff does. <laughs> Jeff, bro, Mary you got the robe, robe dude. You know, I didn't, you know, so I didn't get the robe. <laughs> Jeff got the robe. And I got his Bible. Bro, mm. you got, like, you got the mantle of Elijah. <laughs> So, dude, that's deep right there. Yeah, it is. So you want to call Jeff to, if, you, if you want to get married because he's, <laughs> he's got the robe. He's got the robe of reconciliation because listen to what happened. My father-in-law got up. He says, he t- no joke, tells the story about how when he first met me, he didn't like me. and did That's ev- right. I'm not kidding. You to told you everyone there. Mm-hmm. I tried to do everything I could to run this boy off. He did. Told the entire... 500 people. Like, and I'm standing there. He's standing in front of me. I'm looking at, you know, my soon-to-be Wyatt. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh. And then he gets choked up, and he begins talking about it was that but God, God. moment. Yes. And I am not kidding you. You could tangibly feel like the... Like the thick weight of the Holy Spirit. The anointing. The yes. anointing, dude, like, boom. Fell. And there was, a, like, the, and, and, like, the and tears. Like, I'll, I was, I, I'm totally, this is one of those stories that really the fish was this big, but now you tell it 25 years later and the fish is <laughs> like a whale. Like, everybody was crying in the place, I felt like. I looked out and it was like, there was just tears everywhere because you yeah. just, like, you could feel the anointing 
of reconciliation mm -hmm. was so heavy in the room. Yeah. And it was like, it didn't matter who you were. You right. were like, I am part of God's creation, yes. and we are all beautiful, and we are a manifestation That's of that right. beauty. And I don't even know why I'm feeling good about this. I mean, I seriously, I am no joke. I think you could have brought one of the most hardcore racists into that room. And they would have fell in love and with Jesus. They, and, and they would have ended up on their face. That's right. I, that, I that's that. the level of it. Now, that's my take on it. I was there. You were there? I remember. Okay, was that accurate? Yeah, that was very accurate. So I feel like that was the moment that I gained favor in the family. And I want to tell you, gaining favor never has anything to do with your performance, but it always has to do with the Father. That's right. God is the one who gives favor. We don't earn it. That's right. I didn't earn my father-in-law's favor. He was consistent. He never gave he, up. he showed me the heart yeah. of reconciliation. He showed me the heart and anointing of a father mm -hmm. by, by showing me that favor. That's good. Um, so anyway, that's when I found favor in the family. I think, and I stopped being able, uh, or I started being able to not have to eat in the kitchen all the time. <laughs> I spent a long time in the kitchen, right, Jeff? I was with you. Dude, you were like my homie. <laughs> I was. So that's how we met. Like, yeah, Jeff was like, who's, who's this little white guy hanging out in the I kitchen? I was just like, where's the food? You're like, yeah. right here. What's, you're like, oh, what's up, bro? Yeah. I'm like, what's going on? You're like, come over here. So yeah. I went over there and just love it first sight. Dude, <laughs> Jeff's like, why are you in the kitchen? And I was like, uh, I've been banned to the kitchen. Daddy was like, man, he was, I love him. Thank you. Okay, this is deep. Okay, what do you, I, I'm gonna, I, I have to read through this first because I have to choose whether or not I want to answer this privately on an email or publicly. Um, uh, I remember one of my closest family members only wanted to talk. Hold on a second. Sorry. <laughs> wow. This is going to be a big one, bro. I don't even know if I want to do this. Mm, that means we should do it. It means we should do it? Yeah. There's always fruit on the other side of fear. Absolutely. All right. Somebody asks, what do you do when your own family won't talk to you because you peacefully protested for the systemic racism happening? I have interracial children. However, one of my closest family members only wanted to talk about the rioters, but showed me no support from my kids. And how would you handle that? Um, and then lastly, they asked the question, um, lastly, do you understand or agree with BLM, Black Lives Matter? Um, so I'm going to break this up in two pieces. Number one, what do you do when your family won't talk to you? Um, one of my closest family members, all they wanted to talk about the riots. Hey, listen, here's something that Jeff and I said last week. And I really firmly believe this. And I think we talked a little bit about it in the patience game of where people are at in their spectrum, in the spectrum or in the journey. Um, this is going to sound really hard, but love them where they're at. Yeah. It's the only thing you can do. So I like you can't make people see something they can't see. For instance, if you start talking to a friend who is not a believer in Jesus, not a follower of Jesus, and you start talking to this friend about a bunch of spiritual things like, hey, I really don't think we should, you know, you shouldn't support X, Y, Z. Or how about, I'll make this one really, really plain. This is probably going to prick some ears up anyway. I can't say anything right. I'm just going to say it. 
If you said to a friend of yours who's not a follower of Jesus, who's living with their boyfriend or girlfriend, hey, I don't think living with your boyfriend or girlfriend really is exhibiting and showing the fullness of who God is as a follower of Jesus. And, I, and, and you start giving reasons why that are biblically based, why you don't think they should be living together. Mm-hmm. Don't expect your friend who's not a follower of Jesus to even remotely understand what you're saying or agree with you. In fact, I would suspect that your friend's going to look at you. Some choice words might blow out. Yeah, and be mouth. like, bro, I don't agree with you. And I think you're, and choose to put you in some categories. My point is, your level of understanding might be totally different because mm-hmm. of your experiences, especially with having children that are mixed race. My understanding of what's happening in the black community drastically changed and impacted because of my relationship with Jeff, because yeah. of my relationship with my father-in-law Your and wife. my brother-in-laws and my friends and my, my wife, <laughs> and because of my experiences now fathering seven women of color. I have seven daughters who are black that I'm now walking through their life with their experiences. That's so right. understand where people are at. Don't beat them up, okay? That's some good. people, I would lastly say some people have ears and hearts to try to understand, and some people don't. I'm That's not right. saying your family member is that, but maybe they're trying to understand as much as possible, okay? Um, lastly, do you understand or agree with BLM? BLM stands for Black Lives Matters. Here's what I'm going to say about that. I think we have to be really clear. If I was on social media right now, I could say hashtag Black Lives Matters. I could also at... Black Lives Matters as an organization. There's an organization, Black Lives Matters, that is distinctly different than the movement, than the movement of supporting my brother-in-law's life as a black man right. or my wife. I hope this is making sense. You as an individual have to make a decision. Go on to Black Lives Matters website. Get read it. through the things they support. Read through what they're asking for in terms of change. Read through the common things and the thread of what it is that they stand for, and you need to make a decision if you are aligned to them as a nonprofit organization. There's two distinct things here. Mm-hmm. You can support an organization. I'm going to say this. You could support the organization Black Lives Matters and not support a lot of things being talked about in the street. You could also support Black Lives Matter. It, it gets really messy. Murky. It gets real murky. That's a great word. So I think we have to distinguish. This is just me, you guys. I could be wrong. Jeff, am I? No, I don't think you're wrong because it goes back to what we were talking about. Okay. The heart of the matter. It's always about the heart of the matter. And so when you're talking about the movement and reconciliation, Christ moved cultures, diversities, by moving in the power of his father. He wasn't, the organizations, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, always questioned his movements, always questioned his intentions. As long as we move like Christ moved towards culture and people of diversity, that's the movement. That's the truth. Okay. That's probably going to light some... So anyway, I don't want to debate that. I just want to say right now with you, if you heard what Jeff and I said, I don't want to debate it. 
So I'm just going to flat out say that. Because the reason I almost didn't take that question on was because I've seen wildly, deeply divisive conversations flying where people aren't willing to listen mm -hmm. and understand. And so... With all thy getting, you know, get understanding. Anyway, that's my explanation. You choose on how you align Black Lives Matter or the hashtag Black, Black Lives Matter. Um, ultimately, I think what we're called to do is stand in justice, and justice's name is Jesus. That's right. And I believe that Jesus is standing with our fellow Americans he and is. globally is. with those in the black community. I believe Jesus is standing with them. Yes. Why? Because he actually was there when they were created. Correct. He, Jesus was there when God spoke creation. He, so you can't separate the two. No. So anyway. Um, hey, we kind of got deep on that one. <laughs> I'm gonna I, I'm gonna leave it up to the public. If you guys want to see or hear more conversation, let us know. There's a couple things that I just want to share with you very quickly. We would love, love, love to connect with you. So be sure again if this is your first time jumping on to a Wednesday night live. Uh, I would like to invite you to one of our Sunday services where you're going to see myself or potentially Pastor Jeff or one of our other pastors speaking on a Sunday morning at eight, nine thirty, or eleven fifteen. We do have limited space live here on Sunday mornings for you to be able to come at our 9 or 8, 9.30, 11.15 service. We have 100 spots right now is what uh, California is allowing us to have in our room based on some mathematical equations. So 100 is the number. I can tell you that we love seeing you live yes. here. But we also love seeing you online, just like we love seeing you live online here tonight and the individuals that are in the room with us here tonight. Thank you for coming out. Thank yes, you for being part you. of it. Uh, we appreciate you guys showing up. Um, on behalf of Pastor Jeff and myself, we love you guys. We hope, again, that what we're bringing is helpful and brings hope, and it's not a hindrance. And at the end of the day, we want to see reconciliation and a spiritual shift when it comes to the spiritual systems that I believe the enemy has built as barriers to keep us apart, That's right. to keep us separate. And when we stand together, the Spirit of God dwells in our midst. Amen. And we become powerful because we can drag the sins of our fathers out onto the carpet. Come on. And we can start kicking the heck out of them. I'll say that. <laughs> I almost said something else. Great being with you. Thanks for another great night of Wednesday Night Live. We look forward to seeing you. We'll see you Sunday.